Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Purple Rain, starring Prince. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, and to be honest, the plot's pretty thin, but if it matters to you, you should be aware that this podcast contains plot spoilers. Enjoy. So, big day today. Local council elections. Yes. Have you vote have you voted? Ours were not included in this lot of council elections, so I did not oh. vote. Well, why not? <laughs> I mean I could have fraudulently voted in another area. You should have um, just voted anyway. And just turn up at my local um like town hall or school and just be like, I'm voting for so and so. Yeah. You can't stop me. Don't infringe on my rights as a citizen. Yeah. Exactly. I'm voting for Corbyn, and if you tell me not to, you're no-platforming me. If you don't let me vote, um, it's a no-platforming thing, and you're against free speech. Yeah, exactly. Um, like I don't care if Corbyn's not on the ballot because it's a local election, um, you know, because, well, you'd, unless you were a Labour Party member or in Corbyn's constituency, you'd never directly be voting for Jeremy Corbyn anyway. Um, yep. But, you know, I'm specifically voting for Corbyn if he's not on the bill they're all Blairites. It's only Corbyn and that's it. Everyone else is a Blairite. Yeah, it's a Blairite plot if, yeah. if they don't let if, you vote. If Jeremy Corbyn is not on every single ballot, it's it's Tony Blair's fault. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a political fact for you right here. Tony Blair is behind this. <laughs> He's behind everything. <laughs> Tonty Blair, I mean. Oh, that's interesting how some some councils are included and some aren't. I'm never sure why that is. Yeah, they do it on like a rotor basis. So ours will come up in a bit. Um, but yeah, so at the moment there we didn't have any. Not that it makes any real difference in my area anyway, but you can add some additional Lib Dems or Labour people who will get shouted down by the Conservatives. Yep, our our council is kind of similar to that. Although there there is a much more of a balance of power between the Lib Dems and the Tories. There's sort of um, the Tories control it with the majority, but it has been Lib Dem majority in the past. So hopefully with this one they'll take it back and maybe try and do some good. Although either way, the single recycling bin for my block of eight flats overflows every week, and I don't think changing whoever the councillors are is going to really change anything in terms of that. So I don't care. I mean, that, that is all the fault of Tony Blair. He's deliberately, you're supposed to have several, but he go, comes along in the middle of the night every time they replace them and steals them. He's <laughs> building a castle out of recycling bins just from your block of flats. Yeah, you know, all of this stuff we're hearing right now about the huge outcry of, you know, against single-use plastics. It's all because it's all of Blair. It's all his fault. He's, the, he's pushing the plastic agenda so he can build his giant rocket out of um, out of plastic um, containers and then fly up into the stratosphere to to prove that the earth is flat <laughs> you know say what you like about tony blair but he is the kind of person who i do could never believe would be a flat earther no like he's, he's too serious anybody else you think okay maybe there could be some flat earth sympathies there but tony blair 
he's a man who knows that the earth is not flat. He's the least the least flat earth that you can get. Yeah, exactly. The least flat earth man on the planet is Tony <laughs> Blair. Yeah. Who's the most flat earth person? Oh, that's a good point. Um some old man in Arizona. <laughs> that's going the most flat earth man in the world. The most flat earth person in the world is an old guy in Arizona who believes the earth is flat. And it's who, always Arizona, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yeah. Um Arizona's fascinating. Um and I kind of I I have this fascination with the state because um it's one of the areas of the world where there's a lot of survivalists. Um like you, yeah. you get a lot up in Washington, in Washington state that is. Um and uh, you get a lot in Arizona and those are the like two peak um survivalist areas of the US um which I find really interesting. Yeah, it's it's the areas where like if the bomb's going to hit it's going to hit there, right? Or that or so they think. Well, yeah, it's, if the bombs hit they're like the most safe places to be in terms of likelihood of being nuked. Um and also like people escaping from perceived government tyranny as well. They're like they're like the peak places for that. Yeah, because all those like really remote places, there's loads of like government interference. There's loads of like American Tony Blair equivalents coming around and stealing all their plastic as well. Yeah, lo- lo- loads of them are coming around <laughs> and being like, right, we're taking your plastics and we're taking your guns. Yeah, and we're gonna make and you pay tax. Yeah, fucking tax, man. Tax is the worst. I mean. Tax is literally the worst thing ever. The only thing worse than tax is a universal healthcare tax. Yeah. Um, because what, what? why should why should my money go towards helping other people? I'm healthy, you know. Why why should I have to pay for some guy who loses a finger? <laughs> What's the line in The Simpsons? <laughs> why sh- why should we be sitting here busting our ass while some guy who loses a finger hits the jackpot? <laughs> <laughs> my my favorite. Um, my favourite line in The Simpsons regarding tax is when there's a bear, not a bear attack, but a bear comes along in in uh, Springfield, and then they they have a very slight increase in tax paid because of um, the bear patrols. Yeah, and, and, and Homer goes, "Make the bears pay the pe- uh, pay the bear tax. I pay the Homer tax." It's like, no, that's the homeowner tax. <laughs> oh, they always got it right, didn't they? Uh, yeah, apart from with Apu. Yeah, that's a, that's a real shame. I haven't seen that documentary thing. Have you? Um, yeah. So I've I've watched half of it. I haven't watched the full thing. Um, and it's very interesting. And it and it deals with it in a very. I know I know there's lots of people online that are ranting and raving about PC gone mad over this, but actually the the documentary, the problem with Apu, uh, handles it in a really delicate way. Um, it's not heavy handed at all. It takes a look at the different sides of it and talks about what apu represents uh, and sort of like what the character has done in terms of representation both positive and negative yeah um, so it's very it's a very interesting thing um and it's a shame to see some of the reactions from the people behind the simpsons um over yeah. it because it's like you know you've made your money off the back of this person's ethnicity with this character um do they so, come across as defensive yeah they well um hank azaria has been really good about it and said he's willing to stand aside and let someone else voice him and he's he's really 
he he'd like to see some more diverse people in the writing room um but there was this kind of like weird moment where the simpsons like looked at it like and they they broke the fourth wall a little bit uh to talk about it and it was very very awkward and right. they were like yeah and the, the the essentially it was like yeah we might address this but we probably won't you know oh, sh- shrug of the shoulders um and then Matt Groening said that people these days find things to complain about. And it's like, well, no, actually, people haven't been happy about this representation for a long time. It's just that now it's being heard. Yeah, I hate that argument. It's just so lazy. It's like, oh, yeah, people today just want to complain about stuff. It's like, no, actually, people these days are just realizing that some things have been bad for a long time and that people just it just needs to have attention drawn to it or whatever you know yeah and and it's not the right way to address it but i I do find a certain poetry in matt graining now becoming old man yells at cloud himself (laughs) um which which is which is a great little turnaround from him yeah it's just it's so disappointing that so many people like that who have some success but then people perhaps question them later on in their career can't really engage with it properly and decide to go on the defensive rather than just actually sitting back and saying okay yeah maybe i didn't get 100 percent of this right but actually i've done all this these kind of things and these things that are good i'll try and be better in the future you know times have changed i'm trying to keep up with them that kind of thing i'd like to think that that's what i'm going to do but maybe you know in 20 30 years time when we're still doing this podcast we're gonna we're gonna end up like that we're gonna be the cranky old men you're gonna be I'm like, gonna oh, be... these these kids these days doing their podcasts. It was you know back in our day, nobody was offended by anything. We got to talk about how rubbish Jordan Peterson is all the time, and now we can't even say that. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna be um, I'm gonna be calling everybody a podcuck um, within <laughs> within the podcasting circuit yeah. in ten years time. You um, offended? But yeah, but yeah. yeah, podcucks. Are you offended? Oh, I bet you're offended. I scream from a mountaintop at nobody in particular. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that, that the whole kind of like, oh, yeah, we're so offensive thing really annoys me. Like, it annoyed me with punk bands. The only punk band that can get away with doing it is Gigi Allen. If you're not Gigi Allen, go away. You can't handle it. You're just another person who plays a guitar. Um, it- didn't Gigi Allen kill himself on stage? No, it, he threatened to multiple times. Okay. Um, but no, he died of a drug overdose, uh, not on stage. Um, but it's a it's a fascinating tale of like someone who's clearly not, you know, not mentally well, and the way yeah. that the the scene itself kind of built him up into this into this godlike figure. There's this really good documentary about him, uh, weirdly enough, from the person who directed the Hangover movies. Um, oh, right. Uh, it was like the first thing that he directed. And it's and it's this really fascinating look at Gigi Allen, um, which I highly recommend. Anyone who's interested in punk, um, particularly sort of like that hardcore punk scene that sort of rose in the late 80s, early 90s, is a really good documentary about Gigi Allen and his life and like the band and everything like that. Um, so, yeah, get get on that. It's really good. Um, cool i'll have to check that out because i don't know that much about him but i know of him and obviously i'm aware of his work and stuff and i think he's an interesting and very troubled figure obviously yeah yeah i'm a deeply troubled person with a very strange backstory as well a very strange life before he became a huge figurehead in in that hardcore punk scene um 
but yeah it's 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 worth a watch um and you know it's a it's a really good sort of film about music much like purple rain which we watched purple rain is it just a film about music i think i feel like it's about more than that it's also about prince right (laughs) it is it's about music and about prince who happens to be a musician yeah it's it's what they call a vehicle a prince vehicle (laughs) although obviously the best prince vehicle is his purple motorcycle I know it's uh, it's incredible how much they get that massive ridiculous motorcycle into like as many shots as possible. It it really really makes you feel like they spent loads of money on the motorcycle and were like, well, we've got to get our money's worth, or they were renting it by the hour or something. Like it's just like a- any scene they can to get him riding along on this huge incongruous purple bike because the rest of the shots are all of like downtown Minneapolis and stuff and. There are, there are a lot of quite, like, just normal-looking shots of Minneapolis and all, like, normal cars and stuff. And then he just comes rolling along in this huge purple bike. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it is it is absolutely ridiculous. Um, it's, yeah. Because cause there is this kind of, like, there is this otherworldliness to, uh, to Purple Rain. But at the yeah. same time, there's also this gritty realness. And it I don't know how well it gels between the strange world of inside prince's head and the 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 very gritty world of being in a band in the 1980s yeah i i think those two things don't quite match up at all then there's a there's a real tension between them that i think is partly deliberate and partly um partly not deliberate like he probably intended for there to be a bit of a tension there but the amount of tension that is there i don't think he intended for but it's a, it's a similar way to how prince himself was kind of another worldly figure i'm not gonna be i i'm a huge fan of his so i definitely have a bit of a bias here but i'm not gonna be the same as i think a lot of people who are fans of bowie um hello hey sorry i have no idea what happened there it no. just came up and said this call has ended it's like oh Thanks a lot. It's over. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the internet's being a bit funny tonight, uh, um, which might be partly partly to do with it. Not in a good way. No, no, it's not being funny, funny like hilarious, funny. Yeah, the internet is hilarious though. It's it's hilarious and horrible in equal it's measure. That's how, how we get these these memes that we have now. You know, the the, the internet has everything you'd need from memes through to racism. Um, and literally nothing else apart from those two things. Yep. So, yeah, well, what I was saying was that um, I feel like Prince and Bowie are often compared in many ways. And I think a lot of people, Bowie's fans always act as if he is genuinely an otherworldly figure. And I never thought that about him. I've always been kind of indifferent to Bowie. I think he's got a few really good songs. And I think he was a genu- was genuinely very, very innovative and never ashamed to reinvent himself, which is a wonderful quality. But he, as a figure, and his music as well, never grabbed me in the same way that Prince did, does. And, uh, you know, I, Bowie's fans always act like he was otherworldly. And I feel like, I feel the same way about Prince. Like, there was something about him where he was just on another level, a different level to the rest of the kind of boring world, where he always seemed to operate on this kind of, this higher plane of purple sexual magic. And I feel like... <laughs> His um, this film is an expression of that butting up against the mundane world in which he finds himself. 
See, in terms of Bowie and Prince, I'm I'm not indifferent to David Bowie. I think he was phenomenal. Um, and I think maybe some of that comes from, in terms of our different perceptions of him, some of it comes to sort of like where they were in the 1980s. Because yeah. because Bowie in the 80s was at his least bombastic. Um, it's when he was doing like Dancing in the Street um, and he was he was doing very sort of grounded music as well. Um, well. When was The Laughing Gnome? When was The Laughing Gnome? That was very early on, wasn't it? Oh, I don't know. Um, yeah, I think The the Laughing Gnome was very early on. Um, so that's, sort of... his, that's his best song. <laughs> <laughs> See, um... What I what I love um, what I love about Bowie and, and very few people love this, but he went really strange in the nineties and did sort of like he did like a, a vague concept album called Outside, which is incredibly strange, and it goes everywhere from like traditional Bowie magic through to like industrial rock, and it and it goes all over the place, and it's like this vague concept album about these people living in this block of flats in a dystopian near future kind of thing um it's, it's a really interesting album and originally he was planning to do sort of like a trilogy of them but there was only he only ever did the one um uh but yeah so and then like after that he then did like an album of jungle jungle music um yeah which was, which was really weird to hear like <laughs> bowie over breakbeats is a very strange thing to hear um and and like and then sort of like later on in his career things like his his last album is one of his best i think it's phenomenal um so so i'm very much in the category that bowie is you know he was a stranger uh who like yep. always stayed ahead of the trends in a fascinating way and like was a real trendsetter but i think prince was the same um and i and i think in general there is that atlantic divide between perceptions of the two as well not so much with bowie because bowie's very revered worldwide but with prince i don't think he had the same impact in the uk as he did in the us no i I think you're right bowie is always seen as a homegrown talent and i think prince is obviously very very popular in the uk but never wasn't beloved in the same way people just found him this kind of intriguing and interesting figure but yeah i think prince's oeuvre isn't isn't as interesting overall as Bowie's just in terms of all of the different ways that Bowie reinvented himself but Prince was always just making great music turning out the tunes and changing although Prince did obviously reinvent himself in a pretentious and stupid way by changing his name to an unpronounceable symbol which <laughs> even even though it's stupid I kind of love it as well yeah I really which love is that. which is overall my assessment of Purple Rain as a film it's really stupid but I kind of love it for for what it is yeah although there are there are some problems with it yeah obviously. I, I i don't think i can say i love it um i'll get that out of the way now i'm not sure how much i liked this movie um yeah. but there were pockets in it that i really loved primarily if you took the plot out of this film i'd love it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um if it was just if it yeah, was just that's exactly it if it was just 90 minutes of like if it was like the artist so there was no dialogue just a story told through action and music if it was um, a black and white si- silent film well no no it doesn't have to be black and white it could be wonderful neon colors much like the opening scene of of purple rain i i want the 80s colors and like the soft lighting and the smoke machines and everything like that but i want it to be completely the completely music based no dialogue 
no plot. Yeah. Well, there can be a plot, but it can only be told through action. Um, yeah. And you want there to be a very cute Jack Russell dog. Yes, but it has to be an 80s Jack Russell dog. I want it to have a perm <laughs> and a little mustache. <laughs> yeah, it has to be the dog equivalent, or the, the terrier breed equivalent of Tom Selleck. <laughs> exactly. What, what, what dog do you think Tom Selleck would be? Because I think he'd be like an old uh, Labrador. Yeah, he'd be like some big, lovable, cuddly hound. Yeah. Something dependable. Yeah, you could count on Tom Selleck dog. Yeah, for sure. I might get a dog and call it Tom Selleck now. It's really good. It has to be both both names, though. It can't just be Selleck or Tom. It has to be Tom Selleck. Yeah, yeah. Tom is just... That sounds like a person's name. And Selleck sounds weird. It sounds like... Um, it reminds me of Sarlacc. The pit of Sarlacc. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call my dog Sarlacc now. That's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, the artist. That's also a great film. We should um, we should talk about that for a future. Episode, we should talk about that. It's a very interesting film. I remember going to actually going to see it in the cinema and really really loving it. But then I think not loving it as much on the second viewing, but still liking it anyway. Yeah, we can save that for a future episode. But very very interesting film and an interesting comparison as well because yeah, it relies on tropes and music and other stuff. And yeah, Purple Rain. If it if it was just a concert film. It would be an incredible concert film because the like the live music sequences are amazing. Like they are otherworldly. Yeah, the the music scenes in this are really cool. Um obviously seeing this is Prince at his pomp, you know. This this yeah. this is this is Primp uh Primp. Primp. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is Prince at his at his most pristine. Um Primp Rogers Nelson. <laughs> um and 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 uh, all the songs in this in this movie are great from a great album possibly his best album did you say i, I think it's my favorite album of yeah. his though 1999 is definitely up there cuz i think little red corvette is my favorite prince song oh cool but yeah overall yeah. it's not as strong an album but yeah although by the the final concert sequence where it's mostly just an expose of him dancing you're like oh come on prince Give it a rest. <laughs> We're an hour and fifty minutes in. Just you know, just you know, let's let's have it now. Yeah. Um. So so yeah. The 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 the, the musical side, the the live uh the live music side of this film is great. Um. But I don't care for the the plot behind it, and it and it's kind of a meandering mess, and a, a meandering mess that kind of shows this coldness to other human beings. <laughs> Which uh, I don't know what that says about Prince's character in general, but yeah. it doesn't really. It's not really a good look, particularly in this day and age. That side of it, as a Prince fan, is very disappointing actually, because it comes across as as bordering on misogyny, if not you know genuine misogyny, in the way that he treats all the female characters in the film, and the way that like there's a really unclear and strange message about it, which is that like, well, yeah, basically. He gets a girlfriend. She goes off to go and join the band of his rival, Morris Day, at the time. Also great band. Everyone in the film basically plays themselves. Um, and he's very, very upset about that. And he, like, hits her at a number of points, which is not cool. And then it's like, it's, but it's like he's taking after his abusive father. And then he's really, really upset and sad when his father dies. And so he goes and sings a ballad and then she gets back with him. It makes no sense at all. It's it's very bizarre and sends out very confusing bad messages. It's it's peak um I will do one obscene obscenely generous gesture and then that makes everything okay. 
um, yeah. which kind of it, it buys into, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but but this kind of thing really buys into a lot of um, the uh, choices that people make when they're in abusive relationships. Um, yeah. This this kind of thing happens all the time. And there's two scenes in this movie where he hits the love interest. Yeah. Um, it's very uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. Think if you were ma- if you were making a film like this these days, you would not get away with it. It's very every- there'd be like a huge outcry. Well, if if you were making this film these days, the roles would be reversed between Morris and Prince because Morris, you see, like he's kind of misogynistic in terms of the way he treats women, but at the same time, yeah. he's willing to listen to their opinions and get them into a band because he sees them as the having the ability to be successful. Um, yeah. he, he also never hits any of them. Whereas Prince is this egomaniac in a less popular band um, who has very talented female songwriters in his in his group who he refuses to listen to and then yeah. f- flies into a jealous fit of rage um, when the love interest tries to better herself and try and progress her own career. So really, if you did it these days, the roles would probably be reversed. And it would be about like this guy who's vaguely misogynistic learning to love and it would still be weird and uncomfortable, but that kind of story is told all the time. Yeah, that's true, actually. And you, like Morris would be made to be the the like horrible misogynist guy who's holding them back, and it would be by joining his band and letting and him letting them do their songs. I don't know, something like that. But it still feels like okay. He, at the end, he eventually agrees to let them do their song, which is "Purple Rain," which is the big ballad. And then once it's out of the way, it's like back to the Prince show. Here, I'm going to do lots of dancing now. But I would die for you, so it's okay. Yeah, like, hey, you've done your one song. I've shown that I have a little bit of humility and grace. Now everyone look at me again. <laughs> yeah, it really is just so stupid and hilarious in that way. But um, but it's it's interesting that, yeah, the way he chooses to frame it with the lyrics of his songs, because we still don't know what Purple Rain means or is or what it's supposed to be. Is it a metaphor is it literally just because he loves purple? Like, is there more to it? I don't know. Do you? Um, isn't it just the precursors to chocolate rain? <laughs> yeah, there couldn't have been chocolate rain without purple rain. Exactly. Interestingly, Tay Zonde, the creator of Chocolate Rain, followed me on Twitter some months ago. Oh, really? That's and I, amazing. And I was intrigued by this. But then I looked in the bio and it literally said in his bio that, like, um, you know, follows are not personal or something along those lines where it's like, his social media team or whatever just openly acknowledge that they're just following people so that people will follow like so that people will follow back so that they can get more followers and that that's a strategy so i was like fuck that shit and i blocked him (laughs) 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 so days on day if you're listening to this podcast don't go away go away I i don't like you and i don't like your social media team um if if you want to repent if you want there to repent, follow, follow the podcast and follow me and send us a DM saying, I'm sorry, this is a personal yeah. follow. We... I want a personal apology. <laughs> <laughs> How dare his social media strategy offend you so, Paddy? I know. Well, you know, because obviously everyone does that, but it just, it felt like to acknowledge it is one of those things. It's like, you don't, you don't talk about it. It's like, you know, everybody poos, but you don't talk about it. It's, it's like, yeah, it's that kind of thing. Actually, I don't mind talking about poo every now and then. But... <laughs> not all the time. No, not, not all the time. Not poo as part of your social media strategy, at the very least. No, um, unless it's poop emojis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh dear. Um, how the hell did we get onto this? <laughs> Purple rain, chocolate rain. Yeah, I'm kind of glad that like the prince doesn't have to deal with all this social media crap. No, like, did he? No. He never really tweeted, did he? I don't. I don't think so. I certainly never, never paid any interest to Prince tweeting. If there was yeah. any, I never saw it. Um, I, I have a little video game tie-in here. Oh, um, okay. You know the Mortal Kombat games? Yeah. Uh, one of you know, there's the ninjas. There's Sub Zero um, in the blue outfit. There's Scorpion in the yellow outfit. There's Reptile in the green outfit. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is also a ninja called Rain. Do you want to guess what colour outfit Rain wears? Grey. <laughs> Grey Rain. <laughs> oh, does Rain does Rain wear purple? He does wear purple. And is it because someone was into Prince? Yes. Yeah. That's so awesome. there is there is per- there is Rain that. the purple ninja who's one of the most reviled characters in Mortal Kombat by fans because oh. he was like a joke character. So they, there's kind of this love hate thing going on with him where people are just like Rain you're so rubbish. Oh, um, that's harsh. Yeah. <laughs> but it's all in it's all in good jest. Mortal Kombat's one of those communities where everyone sort of like recognizes that it's just super fun and that's the point of it. So it's all quite good-natured which is nice there's not too many people that take mortal Kombat deadly seriously no unlike those street fighter people bloody hell well they're the worst i mean you (laughs) say they're the worst but yeah there's there's a street fighter fans there's this very weird seriousness to it all i remember um my dad had one of the early macintosh computers and there was a game on it called mortal pongbat which was (laughs) literally just pong but it had a title screen that said Mortal Pongbat. That's incredible. That was the early 90s for you. I love it. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So we can see that obviously Prince had a huge influence on on popular culture. The Purple Rain. Everyone knows Purple Rain, the song in the eye. You know, it's, it's that kind of, it's kind of a go-to ballad, isn't it? Signifying ballad. Yeah. Purple Rain sounds like Purple Rain, you know. I remember in our old band, Paddy Johnston and the Love Explosion, we had a ballad song and we just used to refer to it as Purple Rain because it sounded like Purple Rain. We did, yeah. I used to love playing that song. It was one of one of our best. Yeah. It's a good song. Um, but um, yeah, we even in the set lists, we used to just write it as Purple Rain, didn't we? Yeah. I hope that Prince would have been okay with that. I think he would have. Either that or he would have hated it and he would have turned up to one of our shows and like... Yeah thrown a glass bottle at us and gone what are you doing i <laughs> see your furious. set list i listen to you at practice referring to the song as purple rain <laughs> he'd try to hit me like he hits women in the film but he wouldn't be able to because he's literally a foot shorter than me <laughs> exactly <laughs> he was um, a very short man and i you know i don't wish to be a biological determinist but he definitely comes across as having short man's syndrome as they say in this film yeah, well, I, I, the thing about Prince is that he kind of, he kind of transcended all of that stuff and was just this weird force of nature who turned up and played a good guitar solo and then disappeared off into the night, and that was kind of his thing. Like, like yes, he was very short, but like, was it short man syndrome or was it just that he's a he was a really aloof person? Yeah, um, or was he just funky? Or was he just funky? And I think it falls somewhere yeah. in the middle of all three. 
Yeah, definitely. No, I, I don't think... I think he has the arrogance of a short man, but is still self-assured, which is the main thing. Obviously, the, the problem that you often stereotypically... The stereotype about short men is that they they are arrogant but insecure, and that's kind of a toxic combo. Whereas, you know, I, Prince was incredibly sure of himself. Yes, yeah, very much so. Almost to a fault, or yeah. definitely to a fault in some cases. <laughs> which, in the ca- case of this film, definitely. Yeah. I mean, he... Apparently, well, I was looking up how it came to be, which is it seems like he came up with the concept for it. So it was his idea, but hired some screenwriters to execute it. Not that you can really tell because the script is, is pretty thin. <laughs> but Yeah, yeah, it's it's a very... Um, the, the plot of this movie is very thin. Um, the one thing that I really loved about Purple Rain, and I, I've not seen this movie in a very long time, um, and since I last watched it, I also watched the fantastic Miami Connection. Oh, did you? Because I was going to say the comparison between them that you made to me via text message is very is a very very apt. So yeah, um, because apt comparison. Um, so Miami Connection. I can't. We, we've probably talked about it briefly on this podcast before. We've um, mentioned it. Yeah, it's yeah. it's this movie that was written by, directed by, and starring this one fella who was a Taekwondo master, um, and it's about this team of. Um, they're, they're like uh, scientists at a university, but they're also... Scientist, undergraduate, ninja yeah, warriors. Yeah, they're also all Taekwondo masters, and they all play in an amazing rock band called... Oh, yeah. Uh, Dra- what are they called? Dragon Dra- Sound. Dragon, Dragon Sound? Sound. Yeah. I was going to say Dragon Force, but obviously that's a very, very different... <laughs> that's a very different band. Equally awesome band. Um, and Dragon Force has two songs. There's, there's Friends Dragon for Sound. Eternity... Sorry, yeah, Dragon Sound. They, <laughs> Dragon Force only has one song, can I controversially say, that they just play yeah. in different yeah. different kinds of... I mean, it's a very fun yeah. song. but Sometimes they play it a little faster, sometimes they play it a little slower, yeah. sometimes it's in a different key. It's the same song. <laughs> it's, it's the same awesome song, uh, just played in yeah. different ways. Because like, Dragon Force, their song is awesome and silly. Their, their stuff is so yeah. awesome and silly, but it is all very much yeah. A, okay. Yeah, but I get what you're doing now. I would um, watch their version of Purple Rain. Oh my actually. god, I totally would. That would be amazing. Like a film where they all basically just play themselves being egomaniacal musicians riding around on big purple motorbikes. That would actually be incredible. Um, Dragon Force, if you're listening, uh, we want to make get, a movie with you. Come on, guys, get on board. Get on it. Um, but yeah, so Dragon Sound, they have two songs. There's Friends for Eternity and Against the Ninja. And and Against the Ninja is so good. They're both amazing 80s songs. And like the way that they when they're playing on stage, there's the same there's the same same rivalry. So much so that I think that when they were making um Miami Connection, they probably were, were referring to Purple Rain. Um, when was it made? So it was made three years later. So I reckon okay. they watched it and were like, oh, yeah, we can use that. So that's all about there's like this subtext of this huge rivalry between these different bands that are playing as the uh, as the bands at this local club night. Um, and, and like even the way that the, the shots are framed in um, in Miami Connection are very similar where you're watching the band play live. Um, it's very much like Purple Rain. Um, and, and the the musical sequences and stuff between there's concert sequences that are quite similar as well there are like musical bits in between that all sound quite similar as well and are framed in a similar way it just then like throws in a bunch of really really dumb action sequences and some really hilarious cheesy taekwondo set pieces that are just awful yes yeah um miami connection is the rock musical kung fu 
gritty crime drama that you've always dreamed of it's it's yeah. it's it's amazing you should definitely go and watch it i'd say i probably would re-watch miami connection over purple rain yeah because um, it's it's funnier yeah I mean, there's purple rain only va- has the vaguest sense of humor about itself doesn't it it's quite po-faced it is quite po-faced and there's also the trouble of the scenes where it tries to be funny are actually very very unfunny yeah, um, like the the weird scene where he takes her to Lake Minnetonka, which is the best name for a lake ever. Yes, um, uh, <laughs> which apparently was um, was cut from the cinematic release, probably because you see her boobs. Yeah, there right, is in, unnecessary in... boob shot in this movie. Um, yeah, there's a couple of gratuitous boob shots. Yeah, actually. it's it's not entirely necessary. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Um, yeah, so he takes her. It's it's like their first date or whatever. Or he barely even knows her, and he's, he just takes her down to the lake. And he's like, "Oh yeah, if you, is it if you want to join my band, you you gotta like you wouldn't pass the initiation." So he's already like really messing with her, like an abusive boyfriend. And he's just like, "Yeah, you, the initiation is you got to take a dip in the lake." And she's like, "All right, I'll take a dip in the lake." Like okay, and like it's supposed to be funny, and he's like laughing through it, and then he, he pretends to drive off like a big stupid jerk, like that's that's what the film thinks is supposed to be funny, and it's not funny at all. Yeah, being being <laughs> playing cruel jokes on women is what's funny in this movie, and then and then there's that prolonged "What is the password?" scene. Um, do you, do you remember that? Oh God, yeah, that's awful. Where the, pa- the password. <laughs> that- did actually make me chuckle but it was awful it was in a dad joke kind of way so morris and is it jerome it's yeah like yeah butler manservant guy who follows him around um then they're trying to say that the password the password is 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 what yeah you got it no it's what yeah you know it's like making out that the password is a word that they're saying yeah it's, it's very stupid it, it and it goes on for so long it's like a good minute solid of this one joke over and over again and then they bring it up again later on and it's just like oh my god it died the first time already (laughs) just let it let it rest in peace guys bloody hell um yeah and yeah it's just it's absolutely ridiculous um i i I hate i hated every time this movie tried to do comedy i despised it with every inch of my being it was just like get back to prince playing music live and getting angry and taking his shirt off and thrusting on stage (laughs) yeah Um, because what what is good about it is that it it very much issues um characterization and plot in favor of just like musical montage sequences or prince genuinely trying to tell a story through his performance on stage like he sings the the sort of quite um the quite raunchy song darling nikki to to her after she's um gone to morris and it's like he's he's got what looks like a pair of panties over his face as like a mask and yeah he takes his shirt off and he's all sweaty and he's writhing around and the way he's performing and looking at her you know even though it, it the the angle of it is obviously in the framing of it is obviously misogynist and problematic the way that he expresses himself through his music and his performance is very, very unique and is kind of the point of the film. And those, that part of it is really, really strong. So yeah, you're always like, just get back to, get on stage, take your shirt off and writhe. And, and that's the thing, is that it does a really good job of telling the different aspects of the story through the music and through those live performances. So much so that yeah. it, it doesn't need as much, um, as much real world plot as it really does. And it's really to the detriment of the movie. Um, the other thing that 
and I think that given how mundane it is, the fact that it doesn't really resolve anything or go anywhere in any real satisfying way really doesn't help it either. Um, because it, it doesn't really, it, everything is resolved by him playing Purple Rain. Um, yeah. What, the one thing I and, find. And then I would die for you. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and then, and then Baby I'm a Star. <laughs> Literally like. <laughs> Three out, three out of the eight songs in the album are used for the climactic scene and then the ending, which is quite—I thought was quite interesting, but quite strange actually. They—they they come up in different orders to the album, and I thought they were going to come up in the order they were in the album, and each one was going to have a lot more meaning than it, it than was attached to it. Whereas there was loads of meaning and significance attached to like when doves cry and darling Nikki, and then purple rain, I would die for you, and baby I'm a star all just thrown in at the end for his final jump around performance yeah i thought there was probably more you could have done with that actually yeah so i think i think purple rain on its own that one works well at that's at that point and you get the meaning behind it but then yeah the rest of it is just like hey let's watch prince for a bit and and that's basically <laughs> it and that's fine but like you could have done other things by having purple rain as the big closer um just on its own and then having the other two songs incorporated elsewhere in the movie um and that and that would have worked much better, I think, than the way that they did it. But yeah, it's weird. And and like and and there, there's no satisfying end because basically it's like everything's at its lowest point. Like he hasn't resolved anything whatsoever, and then he just gets on stage and plays Purple Rain, and suddenly like this audience of this. Let, let, I don't I don't want to be that guy, but there's so many problems with the end of this film in terms of it <laughs> resolving things. So like. It doesn't resolve anything. He gets on. He gets on stage, <laughs> and like this is like a super fun club night where people go to dance and get drunk and party. Um, he gets on stage and he plays a really slow emotional ballad. Um, that's not going to go down. Like people in the audience are probably going to be like, "Oh, that's a cool song," but it's not gonna. It's not gonna resolve his problem in that he's not doing what the owner of the club night wants him to do. It's not going to bring in more of an audience. Um, it's also a how the hell was he able to play this song so well given that he refused to practice at all (laughs) with his bandmates i genuinely did think a a lot about that like he doesn't seem to rehearse with them much and there are like rehearsal scenes where he just goes in something happens and then he buggers off again and it's like and then when he gets up on stage they're amazing it's like no one's that good prince not even you like the rest of the band must practice so much without him but like they have never played this song together he's listened to it but he's refused to actually practice purple rain with them at all yeah so like for some reason there are lots of long scenes where he keeps playing the tape of it back to himself yeah yeah (laughs) it's just (laughs) it's really weird he's constantly listening to this tape and like looking sad and it's like well are you sad that you didn't write this song are you sad that it's different from the rest of the stuff that you play are you sad because your life is sad and this and this song is a reflection of your life (laughs) what 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 is it that's what, what is it that's causing you trouble prince um but yeah so he gets up on stage and he like he does this little emotional performance of purple rain it's great but it's like how on earth did you guys know how to play it together because you have literally never sat down with your bandmates and played this song it's never happened the rest of them could have played it without you but how did you know all of the changes that were going to happen how did they know yeah. what vocal cues to go off because there's or is the film actually just being bold and saying look you guys don't need to see any of the rehearsals or know how we got here this is what's happening deal with it but at the same like like i'd be fine with that if there wasn't a shocked look on the faces of the people who wrote the song 
that they are just as surprised as the audience that he is playing yeah. their song. They have clearly never played it with him before either, because this is such a shock to them. And it's like, mm, how on earth did this happen? I mean, Prince is magical, but he's not that magical. No, he's he's a wizard, but not a mage. <laughs> he's not a sorcerer. Yeah, is a mage um, higher than a wizard? I don't know. I don't. I don't. But they're di- they're different, aren't they? Uh, yeah. In in terms of like, I'm I'm thinking Dungeons and Dragons rule sets here, and they do just slightly different things. Um, but yeah, like like there's no way that that could happen, and also there's no way that that would then solve all of their problems, like in terms no. of his relationships either. Um, no, of course it wouldn't. She's like, oh, I've I've seen him sing a big ballad and dance around. I love him now again, even though he hit me and he was a total dick. Yeah, even though he stifled my career as much as he possibly yeah. could. Even though as a solo artist, she was much better. Or with her, with the other two women. So three of them, but they call it Apollonia 6, which is yes. great because it just sounds cool. Like Ben Folds 5. Exactly, yeah. And, and, that, and that's another really cool performance in the film. And it's really good that it doesn't yeah. just focus on Prince and the Revolution. Um, yeah. There's lots of other great performances in there, which is really nice to see. Yeah, the time have their song um, as well, where they do all the synchronized dancing, and it looks kind of lame, but quite funny as well. Yeah, I love, funky. I love that. It's, it's like I said, the music in this film is fantastic. That's definitely the saving point is all of that kind of stuff. And if you're yeah. into the eighty scene at the time, this is like a great example of that. Um, yeah, and, and- although I think if you if you dislike Prince's music you will detest this film. Well, well there's, yeah. There's, there's no way around that. But let's be honest, if you hate Prince's music, why on earth would you consider sitting down and watching what is effectively a, a, a Prince fantasy? Yeah. A, a Prince biopic fantasy. Yeah. Um, a, prin- a Prince wank fest. <laughs> that's what it comes down to. <laughs> um, the the um, it, What I love is that it also... The the 1980s was a great time for these um for these great band scenes in music in in uh, in movies. So uh, the other great one that that springs to mind is: Have you ever watched Buckaroo Banzai? No, I haven't. It's this totally strange cult sci-fi movie from the 80s, um, starring uh, Jeff Goldblum and uh, Peter Weller, the guy who played RoboCop in the first two RoboCop movies. Um, Sold. Who's a great actor? I love Peter Weller absolutely um, sold already and and they are and and it, it's kind of similar to miami connection apart from it's doing it all with a wink and a nod whereas right. uh, obviously miami connection takes itself incredibly seriously um they they are super scientists who also play in an amazing rock band and okay. and they happen to open sort of, it's kind of like a portal to a sort of alien world where these creepy alien freaks get through and it's this totally strange movie, but incredibly interesting and really good fun. And like all of the band scenes in that are fantastic. Um, and and it's, it's something that's missing from movies these days. You don't really have those those thing those kind of movies where it's about a band that also does things other than being a band in a stupid way. You don't you don't get that kind of film anymore. And I think it's kind of a loss that you don't. There aren't enough egomaniacal musicians who want to make sort of thinly veiled autobiographical films about themselves slash can get the budget slash a studio to sign off on it anymore. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't happen enough, does it? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a shame. You know, you know, cuz you know, if that was if that was going to happen, Morrissey would have done it by now, wouldn't he? Oh god, don't give him ideas. That would be the worst film of all time. 
I mean, the t- the two people that could do it are um, are Morrissey and Kanye West. Uh, oh my god, <laughs> Morrissey being the Kanye West of boring indie music, <laughs> Kanye West yeah. being the Morrissey of hip hop. <laughs> you mean in terms of just being someone who says a lot of really, really stupid shit? The in quotation marks voice of a generation, both of them. Yeah. Um, uh. <laughs> Kanye Kanye has been doing some very, very bad tweets and he needs to have his account shut down. Well, the thing about Kanye West is like everyone's acting shocked and appalled by this, but he's been saying this kind of crap for years now. Um, Yeah, it's only more now that he's like he's thought about politics for two seconds in his life. And now he's like, hey, yeah, make America great again. Whatever politics. Yeah. Go be yourself and say what you mean. Yeah. Woo. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's what I find fascinating is obviously he took a really um, Kenya West took a really strong stand about the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina, um, but like now he sort of turned about face and been like, "Yeah, you know who's great? The Republican Party." <laughs> it's yeah. like, okay, Kenya, yeah, but like uh, for for the last for the last five years or so, he's been very. Whenever this kind of thing has come up, he's always been sort of like on the side of Donald Trump and on the side of the Republicans and stuff like that. So I don't know why it's coming as a surprise. It's just that suddenly people have taken an interest in what he's saying, and because he goes through yeah. these phases of suddenly appearing and saying some some nugget of terrible information, um, <laughs> as is his way. Suddenly, it's like, oh my god, Kanye said this, and this the worst thing ever. And it's like, dude, he's a, he's a, he's an irritating billionaire. What do you expect him to say? <laughs> yeah, an irritating billionaire who cannot smile. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like, I, just, what, what I love how grumpy he looks. Him? He yeah, he, he, looks he always so grumpy looks so in every angry. photo. <laughs> Um, but like, what are you expecting from Kanye West? Like, he's he he makes his reputation out of saying a name rubbish. This it, yeah. is what he does. Don't suddenly gasp and ask to be passed the smelling salts just because he said this stuff about Donald Trump. Of course, he was going to say something like this. Like, it was obviously yeah. going to say something like this. Um, e- equally, so Morrissey, you you genuinely expect Morrissey to say something sensible. And say something that won't annoy people. It's it's his modus operandi. That's what he does. Yeah, he's an irritating knob, and <laughs> he know, he knows exactly what he's doing yeah. as well. He's saying stuff because he knows people will talk about it, which probably take away from the fact that his music stinks now. Even though I do quite like some of his solo music, and I really enjoy the music of the Smiths, but genuinely, it's very, very difficult to listen to now, considering he has gone so far down the road of being just an irritating, self-absorbed, contrarian fool. I'm going to say a couple of things here. A, Irish blood, English fart. That's what I'll say about I, his solo I career. Li- I like that song. I, I do not. It can it can get in the bin. It it was on the <laughs> it was in the soundtrack to FIFA two thousand and five. And every time That's it came weird. on, I was just like, get out of here, Morrissey. Like it was That's it was not- on a soundtrack with like surfing on a rocket by air and and all these amazing songs. <laughs> and it's just like, get out, Morrissey. What are you doing on this cool soundtrack CD? You're a grumpy old man. Get off. <laughs> Bring back the French DJs. And that was then. And that was then, yeah. Um, and and in terms of the Smiths solo star, uh, the the Smiths as a band, um, one day they grew testicles and became suede, and released some amazing <laughs> music. Yeah, 
I, I know that I know that that's your opinion on the Smiths. Yeah, but, they're they're fine, yeah. but like. There you go. Twin, twinkly, twinkly guitar, sad singing slowly over the top of it. Give me, la, la, la. just give me some Cure albums instead, please. Thanks very much. Yeah, the Cure are a thousand times more interesting. Yeah, but just never had the hooks for me, and in the same way, I like, I like them. I like what they do, but the Smiths grab me a lot. But I think it's partly a nostalgia thing as well. Yeah, I, I I don't care for the Smiths. They're fine. I've got a couple of Smiths albums, and it's like, yeah, okay, I understand their relevancy, but their lasting legacy on music was the Libertines. Um, the Cure's lasting yeah. legacy was the entire goth scene of the 1990s and beyond, and also the indie scene. So, you know, who wins in the end? Is it the angry man with a giant chin, or is it Robert <laughs> Smith? I think it's Robert Smith. Yeah. Although the Love Cats can get in the bin. Oh, what are you chatting about, mate? I hate that song. I love it's I love stupid. love cats. I love cats it... and I love love cats. <laughs> I love love cats. Yeah, it's it's bad. I love that song. Anyway, um now that we've talked about two humongous knobs, Kanye and Morrissey. <laughs> Everything that was problematic at Prince really seems quite, about Prince seems quite small in comparison, doesn't it? It does, yeah. It does. It does seem a lot, a lot more trivial than than some of the other huge personalities of music. Yeah. Um, Not that I'm defending his misogyny in the misogyny of his character in this film, and in some of his music, I think I don't think it's misogynist, but he was a very overtly sexual person. Um, and very expressive about his sexuality and did sleep with a lot of women, have relationships with a lot of women and was very sort of mysterious and romantically linked to most of the women in the cast of Purple Rain, as with most of the women he worked with throughout his career. And he just enjoyed singing about sex, you know, so you know, that it is what it is, right? Yeah, and I think, like, I've always been of the opinion that, like, sex doesn't have to be sexism. Um and I'm not sure where the line falls with Prince because it, it, he's got this kind of reputation, but how much of it is genuine, like, um, like sexism and misogyny, and how much of it is just having a very sexual nature? It's kind of like w- with him, there's not that clearly defined misogyny, as it were. No, um, and none and- of his songs are ever like, "Oh, I'm going to go and fuck fuck some bitch." It's always like it's always about the like the sexual act and the pleasure, which is which is good. You know, he's got a song called "Jack You Off," and the chorus literally goes, "I'll jack you off." It's great, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and like, yeah. So, so there's this. There's it's like it's overtly sexual, and his music was always overtly sexual. But um, in terms of it being outwardly misogynistic, it's like it's just about on the cusp. But I think yeah. it's it's it doesn't cross that line into into it being like horrible to listen to as it were no um, no it's always it's always very enjoyable and very funky but there's an interesting moment when um morris and jerome it's quite relatively early on in the film they're talking about needing to get an all-female act in a sort of a a, a bit of a, a laddish way and morris says okay get them can get them to be sexy but not dirty which makes him sound like a bit of a prude i guess compared to prince you want to think you want prince wants you to think he's dirty yeah, he's got he's got grubby hands. <laughs> yeah, so that that side of it co- definitely comes across in this film as well. 
and then the sex scenes that were obviously cut from the cinematic release but they're on if you watch it now like i watched it on amazon prime it's like they're all in there yeah and <laughs> they also go on a little bit too long um yeah it reminds me of and and this shows you how far i've got into um into always sunny in philadelphia um you know the great show the uh, lethal weapon movies that they make yeah um and danny devito uh requires like a real-time uh sex scene like yeah. full penetration sex scene in these movies and if he's going to finance them he wants this scene in there um and uh and yeah it just makes me think of that it's like this is this is uncomfortably long uh for a movie of this ilk it's 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 almost like the room, really. Oh yeah, yeah. It's um, very similar. I think I think Tommy was Tommy was though probably if he has not seen Purple Rain, he should watch it and I think he will enjoy it. <laughs> he definitely will. He'll be like, Hey, this guy stole my act. <laughs> yeah. Who is this prince? <laughs> um, what what country is he prince of? <laughs> um yeah, so so yeah, it's a little bit uh yeah. Every, it all feels a little bit over the top and it, the, like there's a lot of ego in this movie and it really yeah. shows through and like and that's part of the enjoyability of it is sort of reveling in in the ego that helped build this film a lot like yeah. a lot like some of the other passion projects from from musicians like there's very yeah. few movies made by musicians about their lives that I feel don't feel like massively egotistical i think i think there's there's yeah. eight mile doesn't feel too bad the eminem movie that, yeah. that that's quite that's quite a nuanced film um but you've got like the have you ever seen the uh vanilla ice movie no i have not uh, that that is something special <laughs> i didn't um, even know he made a movie <laughs> yeah he did it's not very good let's just leave it at that um but but there's like clearly mega ego behind that and there's the michael jackson one as well um i have not even seen that either which, this could which, be a whole other podcast series <laughs> we could watch movies about musicians um and and that is again that's very weird uh if i remember correctly he turns into some kind of giant transformer type thing at the end oh wow um, it's really it's a very strange film um sounds great yeah and, and with both of those examples it's just like here's my ego on show and and purple rain's the same it's just i'm prince i'm great yeah. look at how hard everything is um why don't people understand my genius now they understand my genius yeah that's a very very succinct summary of it but i went i went into it completely expecting that oh yeah so i yeah, wasn't yeah I wasn't disappointed by it. I wasn't offended by it. I went into it expecting it to be like that and was not disappointed when that was how it was. I was able to sort of chuckle at it. Yeah. And that- whilst also really enjoying just seeing Prince being in his absolute element and seeing him really expressing himself. So in terms of just engaging with Prince as a phenomenon, it's great for that. And I think that's why I like it. Not because of the story or anything No, else. no. And, and and that's the thing. The first time I went, I watched this movie as well, you... you you know Prince. Like everyone knows that Prince is ninety percent ego and ten percent talent. And and it just goes to show how much talent he's got that that ten percent is like the greatest in the world because his music is incredible. But like his ego far outweighs it. Um yep. which is part of why he's so brilliant. Is is he's really enjoyable in terms of just thinking that he's the greatest. Um and um and yeah, and 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 you kind of expect that. And like 
I, I don't feel as though that makes up for it, but at least there's something there where you can kind of enjoy the the waves of like ridiculous self-confidence that this movie gives off. And you can just be like, oh yeah, no, I can sit in this and just enjoy that this was someone's very silly passion project where they took it all far too seriously. Yeah, definitely. And if you don't like Prince or don't like 80s music, it will probably be anathema to you. But if if you like a bit of 80s, then I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. There's um, there's plenty here to enjoy if you're into 80s. Particularly yeah. If you're into Prince's music, it's like a must-watch, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's funky, it's sexy, you know? It's all of these things. It just has an incredibly thin plot and a lot of very silly things going on. Like, there's a bit where he's like playing with this vampire toy and doing ventriloquism out of it when he's talking to the other people in his band and it makes no sense whatsoever <laughs> yeah um, and also what why does he live with his parents is he a millennial he hashtag millennial well well he could he could <laughs> he could afford a place on his own but he's too busy spending it on ridiculous purple motorcycles and stupid jackets is it because he bought the bike? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's still paying off the, the bike that's the same size as his house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. And although I have to say the scene where he, um, he like, hears his dad playing the piano, um, like, really emotionally and, like, it's a really long, almost horror movie-ish, like, pan down the corridor of his dad playing this atmospheric piano and then the dad's really sad and he tries to, to kill himself. That was kind of a real gut punch, actually. That was a very, like, shocking moment that did get to me a little bit. So there was some emotional manipulation in there that worked on me. Yeah, there's there's a couple of moments there, but it all feels very heavy-handed. Um, and, like, yeah. by that point, you've kind of lost interest in the character. Um, yeah, it's very it's very obvious. Yeah, it's um and after that the film basically just well, it completely gives up on dialogue, which I thought was just great because it's like as soon as you get to the last ending purple rain scene there is no more dialogue. And you could even have just dropped in a couple of conversations of him being like, "Yeah, I'm sorry I hit you. I really love you." or like something or Morris being like, "Hey, you guys are all right after all. You guys can pack my club anytime." Because their only definition of like a, a good number of people in a venue is if it's dangerously over capacity, which it always seems to be in most of the shots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's not much but, yeah. health and safety in this film. No, but yeah, no. There's like no dialogue for the last twenty minutes of the film, which is great. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Um yeah it's so it's an, it's an interesting film i can't say yeah. i can't say whether i definitely recommend it to people though um it's a very it's specific worth seeing as a curiosity would um would, would point people in this direction of this movie yeah i can't think when i would watch it again even though i i'm a big fan and i really like prince i think yeah i would have to give it a bit of time before watching it again yeah if it, if it came on i'd be like yeah sure i'll watch that yeah, I don't know if I would. Um, there's other movies. I'd rather watch Miami Connection for the, oh, for, yeah, the yeah. for the music scenes alone, let alone the um, excellent fighting scenes. Uh, yeah. Or um, or yeah, Buckaroo Banzai. In t- in terms of those movies about like a house band that's awesome and everyone loves them, but they're misunderstood. Yeah. Like th- th- there's other movies out there that do it in a more interesting way. Well, actually, yeah, I was. 
or maybe just a little bit surprised that Prince didn't drop in a fight scene where he like has to fight off a bunch of guys in an alleyway or something just to show how strong and manly he is because that's often the way with these kind of cheesy cheesy films where it's someone's vehicle as well isn't it yeah but he was too busy being a dick and driving his motorcycle down an alleyway <laughs> that's true the motorcycle is the proxy for that isn't yeah, it? yeah exactly um so yeah it's kind of got that scene um maybe no one would believe prince kung fu fighting a gang of five people i'd love to see that <laughs> or is, is it just because he's too tiny do you think um, yeah, I think it might be. I mean, like Jean-Claude Van Damme's quite a short guy. So you can yeah. you can take care of quite a lot of it with angles. But Prince is particularly short and particularly slender. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's probably a reason behind it. I think the film would have benefited from that, is all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I think if it went a little bit more over the top with everything, that would have been great. Um yeah. But it does it does kind of play it tro- semi-realistic or Prince's perception of what real life is. Um and it it yeah, it doesn't quite work for me, I'm afraid. No. There are a lot of a lot of very, very silly things about it that don't work, but yeah. I still really like it. In a way, just because it's Prince. And yeah, that is so, the overriding I... thing for it. <laughs> yeah. So I'll I'll say yeah, uh, yeah. I'll just say do do watch it unless you hate Prince. In which case, <laughs> maybe you maybe you can hate watch it. Yeah, maybe then you can just watch it and out of pure spite and hatred. Yeah. So, do you have any trivia, or shall we shall we rate the hell out of this thing? I've got a little bit of trivia here. Um, so apparently, um, the way that. Uh, Prince treats Wendy and sorry the kid as he's called in the movie <laughs> the, uh, the way that he treats Wendy and Lisa in the film is effectively how Prince treated them in real life right um, which doesn't come as much of a surprise let's be honest no <laughs> um yeah and and uh, yeah so that's a pretty good one um also uh, <laughs> during the the late uh, Lake Minnetonka scene um Apollonia actually uh developed hypothermia Oh shit! Um, because it was freezing water. Um, uh, yeah, so yeah. she she got hypothermia from this movie, which is and I bet Prince was just like, "Get in the lake." Well, well, apparently he he was afraid that she would freeze to death, but she wanted to keep going. That's what the that's what the trivia says. Oh. I'm not sure how true that is because I can imagine Prince just going, "Get back in the water, <laughs> get in the lake, motherfucker." <laughs> He he does say motherfucker a few times in the film, and it's quite enjoyable. It is, any movie where someone says motherfucker, it's it's um, it's always excellent. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Well, I'm glad she didn't freeze to death. Yes. Yeah. As am I. Um, you know, it would have taken a bit of a taken a bit of a backseat. Uh, overall, it would have been quite sad. Um, the other thing was that um, originally. They wanted the dad to die rather than, you know, just severely hurt himself. And so, like, I'm not sure why they made that decision. Maybe to give it, like, a vaguely happy ending. Yeah. I suppose. To make it feel like some kind of redemption. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so so originally it was gonna he was going to die. But, in, you know, at the end of the film instead, he's like, yay. Um, but, yeah, so that, that'll do for trivia, I think. Cool. That's all good. 
Um, right. Yeah. How how should we rate this? Oh, I don't know. Um, how many pelvic thrusts out of 20? <laughs> on top of a speaker. On top of how a speaker. Many, how many pelvic thrusts do you need to shag a speaker? <laughs> or, <laughs> like, like, like Prince. Or, or how many times do you repeat the line Purple Rain in the chorus of your rating? Oh, yeah. Purple Either one. Rain, purple Rain, Purple Rain, Purple Rain. Um, I'm going to give it let's see 14 out of 20 which i think is being generous but mainly just because of the prince factor how about you yeah so i i can only go as high as mm, i'm gonna be a bit generous here i'm gonna go for a 10 cool um i you didn't, I, you didn't go down to single figures i was worried no, there for it a was second. it was on that it was on that border between nine and ten and i think like giving it a nine i think would be a bit too harsh yeah um, it's half it's halfway there the, the it's music- a bon jovi it is it is a he very much bon jovi it here um and um and yeah the music scenes are great i'm i'm a fan of prince's music so that's great and and all of those scenes are really enjoyable the plot itself is meandering cruel and boring in equal measure um yeah. and so i was not very engaged with it you're not really engaged with the character being successful other than the fact that it's prince um and yeah. you know that by him succeeding you get to see more prince and that and that's like the only reason to really root for the main character um but yeah so it's 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 interesting as a vague passion project i wouldn't recommend this to anybody other than a prince fan though yeah um like it's i don't think you get much out of it unless you enjoy prince's music unless you and unless you buy into his persona yeah um if you're at least casually okay with prince's music that's like the minimum yeah (laughs) yeah yeah Um, if you like if you like 80s music in general and you're sort of casually into prince then I think you might be okay with it, but that's yeah, yeah. That's that the that's the re- extent, minimum requirement. Um, that's the extent of of going into this movie, and even then, I can't necessarily confirm that you will definitely enjoy it. Um, but it but it's an interesting little like I don't know, um, just a little snapshot of the mid eighties, I suppose. Yeah, um, which is pretty cool, and 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 so yeah, so there is there is merit behind it, but it's not a good movie. <laughs> just put it like that it's not a good movie no. it cannot be described as good but there are things to like about it yeah yeah exactly and it's interesting and it's interesting yeah it is, an, it is yeah. an interesting film yeah as a, a curiosity if nothing else yeah cool well what what are we watching next it's your choice I inflicted purple rain upon the both of us so um I'm going to go for another movie with a very, very, very memorable um, soundtrack. Um, something a little bit different, um, but one of the uh, one of the standout um, movies from a romantic angle uh, that you've seen for some, but that's been around for some time. Um, and that movie is Titanic. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> near far wherever yeah. you are you can't escape titanic it has emotional flutes yep those are memorable yep okay no no that's that's very good i'll reserve saying anything about it until next week other than that it's three fucking hours long <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's got to be done it, come on yeah, yeah no that's that's a good that's a good shout it is time it is definitely time it is. Oh, good choice. So this is our 52nd episode. 
I hadn't mentioned it yet already, but which means we've been doing this for a whole year. Yeah, a whole year. Which is great. And thank you all so much for listening. We really, really appreciate it and keeping it up for letting us do this for a whole year. I mean, we'd do it even if you didn't, but, but still, we, <laughs> yeah. um, we do really appreciate it and we're happy to continue because there are still so many films to get through, aren't there? There are. There, There is an almost infinite number of romantic movies. You'll not get rid of us easily. No. Um, the fact that it's taken us a full year to get round to Titanic shows you how much more we have to do. That tells you quite a lot, yeah. There's the there's, the work never stops. It does not. Cool. Well, in that case, I think we I think we're good, aren't we? We are indeed. Um, yeah. So cool. thanks thanks for listening, everybody, and yeah, and thank cheers, you for uh, allowing us to reach the one year. Yeah. So happy birthday to us. Where's our presents? Happy birthday to us. Yeah. <laughs> Send us presents um, in our inbox, bigboysdon'tcrypodcast at gmail dot com, and on Twitter at bigboysdon'tpod. Send cash, preferably. Yeah, but, cash or yeah. or excellent photoshopped images. Oh yeah, that we would accept as well. Photoshopped images of Nicolas Cage and or Prince would be Nicolas Cage as Prince or Prince as Nicolas Cage would be Prince Cage. ideal. Prince Cage. There we go. Yeah. That would be perfect. Get on it. Come on. Cool. All right. We'll leave it there and we'll be back next week to watch Titanic. Every night in my dreams, I see you. I feel you. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.